You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, your weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I'm Steph, and I have a guest here with me today who is someone you have already heard from, but we had so many follow-up questions that he is back for a second episode, but I am going to let him reintroduce himself and let him know where you can find him and his offerings online. Hello, thanks for having me back. <laughs> um, for everybody that didn't hear the last episode, we my name is Caleb Turner. We did an episode on palm reading last time, um, which was amazing. We got so much interest from that. Um, that's really my kind of niche where I go with my business is fortune by Caleb and it is a fortune telling business. Um, I think most people take a big interest in palmistry when we talk about it because nobody does it or hardly anybody does it these days. It's kind of old fashioned, um, but it's been with us for a very long time. Um, but it'd be nice to get to chat about some other forms, uh, some other forms of readings and kind of how they all bleed into each other a little bit. Yeah, I'm excited because there were a lot of follow-up questions because we did focus on palmistry, which was super yeah. interesting and everybody loved that. But during the episode, you mentioned just in passing some of the other things that you did. So there was a lot of follow-up questions about what kind of astrology you use and the other decks and divination tools that you use. And you mentioned that those kind of all flow together and are, are sort of in, interconnected in what you do. So we were just going to cover that today and try to answer some of the questions that people had. Um, and so let me just start off by besides the palmistry, what all else do you do? Can you even cover that in, in one question? Yeah, um, there was definitely like a starting place uh, with tarot cards. That's where I started with. And I think I, I do think that is the most popular tool for divination or fortune telling today is the tarot cards because there's so many different kinds. I mean, there's so many variations, different illustrations and traditions, but it's a little bit more accessible. You know, if you look at a tarot card, um, you see the devil card or the death card, or maybe you see like the sun or the stars, you'll kind of get a vibe of which cards are more positive and which are more negative. Um, it's harder to do that with palmistry. So I think tarot is a real in for divination. It's a great kind of starting place for people. Um, my hope is that people don't, don't get stuck on that. I mean, I was a tarot reader probably for, um, well, I started as a teenager. I think I got my first deck of cards for my 17th birthday and I'm, I'm 28 now. So it's, it's been over a decade, um, but probably for the first four or five years, I was purely focused on tarot because um, I didn't really know much about other forms of, of divination. Um, but tarot is a really great starting place. Um, I think there is a big kind of movement around it where people are really using it for self-discovery, um, kind of almost like a, a therapeutic process. You know, a lot of people kind of do shadow work with tarot cards. And while I think that's great for me, they've always been a method for prediction. Um, they're always a little bit more fortune telly. Um, I kind of discovered other means of fortune telling when I was 22. Um, so probably, yeah, the better part of a decade now, that's when I really started picking up palmistry and astrology. Um, and it was realizing that all forms of divination are connected, um, but particularly tarot, uh, and palmistry, these are kind of like the, the descendants of astrology, I guess, um, or a result of them, you could say. 
um, they all run on the same themes, the same kind of elements, the same planetary symbols. Um, yeah, so to me, it was fascinating that they that they all connected. And although they all connect in that way, they offer different things. They offer different um, ways of looking at the future, the past, yourself as a person. So I think it kind of makes like a, a triangle um, in terms of knowledge, learning all three, tarot, Lenormand, Lenor, uh, tarot astrology, and palmistry. Um, but of course, other kind of card systems lead into that as well, like the, the Lenormand, that's my favorite one at the moment. That has been growing in popularity lately. Mm. Yeah, it's not as old as tarot. It's only been around for a couple hundred years. Um, but I think people are people are looking for more. Um, I love tarot, but I do think it is limited in some senses. Um, I do think that tarot is better for focused readings, um, you know, where you kind of focus on one topic at a time or, or maybe you have a question for the cards. Um, but I think Lenormand is kind of similar to how you would read a natal chart. It's a little bit more predictive towards the future than a natal chart, but you lay out all the cards and it kind of, it shows you like a blueprint of your life, all the kind of different kind of areas. Um, but yeah, it is lesser known, but I think it's it's great that it's growing in popularity now and becoming more accessible. Um, I think it gives more accurate predictions than tarot, but I do, I do love tarot. It's always going to be my first love. <laughs> and I'll always tarot. I think it's, I think it's great to kind of use a mix. Um, I think where people kind of limit themselves, they get pigeonholed into just being a tarot reader or just being an astrologer or just being a palm reader. I, I don't know why people wouldn't try and combine all these methods. I think it's because sometimes people don't see the connection and where they connect. Um, but there's lots, there's lots of connections between them all. So you mentioned last time that you use a certain type of astrology. So what, yeah. what that one again? So there's different kinds of astrology all, all over the world. Um, you know, most people are familiar with the, the Western Zodiac, Western astrology. Um, that's starting with Aries and Taurus and Gemini and finishing with uh, Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, that kind of Zodiac. But there's also Chinese astrology. Um, different kind of signs, animal signs for that one. Um, and there is different kinds of uh, astrology that follow the same zodiac. Um, Indian astrology is different from Western. I use whole sign astrology. So two words, whole sign. Um, and it is the oldest form of astrology. It kind of originated in ancient Babylon with the Babylonians. Um, but it is currently the second most popular uh, form of astrology. Um, and it's really just a different method of interpretation. It's not really a, a whole different kettle of fish. Um, it's just a different way of interpreting the houses. I do find it to be more accurate. It's easier. Um, it is the oldest form of astrology. Um, the most common kind of type of house interpretation, if nobody knows what the house is out there, they're just the divisions of the horoscope, kind of like 12 different areas of life. Um, the more popular form right now is Placidus, and that originated out of the 1700s, I believe. Um, but whole sign is at, at least, you know, a few thousand years old, if not kind of five, six thousand years old. Um, and it's only really been making a comeback since the 1980s. It was kind of lost. Um, the tradition was lost, but it's really making a comeback. And I do believe it will be the most popular form one day. Um, it's just because we've been dominated for the last few centuries by, by Placidus that um, people haven't taken up whole sign. So you think people who are you know, Western based, do you think that most of them have been working with the Placidus? 
whether they know it or not. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, if you go onto Google and you type in birth chart, you know, or horoscope or, or natal chart or whatever you want to put it as, um, it's going to kind of default to the to the Placidus system. Um, so if you're not sure of different systems, you're not going to click that box and choose a different a different method of house interpretation. You're just going to go with what they give you. Um, but Placidus is where, you know, the houses aren't really equal size. Um, they kind of look a little bit all over the place and the signs overlap in the houses. Um, whereas in a whole sign, there are 12 houses, they're equal size, um, it's one sign to one house, and the signs kind of follow consecutively in the natural order of the zodiac. Um, but it doesn't really do that in Placidus, it's a little bit more complex. Um, I was never really schooled in Placidus, I was really lucky to have found whole sign early on. Um, and a big reason why I chose whole sign over Placidus is because I can always see connections between whole sign natal charts and what's going on in the hands. Um, the literal shape of your hands, the, the kind of quality of your lines, the mounts, which we, we divide the palm into seven sections and name it after the planets, that's always connected to the natal horoscope if you're using whole sign. But I couldn't always do that with Placidus. So to me, the two systems validated each other. Um, it was just a bonus that I found it to be more accurate in terms of natal chart readings, but also transit readings. Um, the, the palmistry just kind of confirmed that that's the one I wanted to go with. And pretty much everyone that I've introduced to whole sign, uh, you know, who has experienced Placidus first, who's tried learning that way has said, oh my God, this is so much more accurate and it's also a lot easier. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people are afraid that they're they're taking the easy way out with whole sign, but mm -hmm. it's, it's really not that. Um, it's going with what's more accurate for you. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't like shit talk Placidus or anything. I think there's wisdom to be found in anything. It's just I look for the more literal, <laughs> uh, accurate uh, kind of ways to do things. I can appreciate that. <laughs> I think the last time I checked out my birth chart and the houses, not really skilled in that area, but I think I must, maybe I, I used whole sign because I remember it going in order. Like my birthday- yeah. November 20th, I'm a Scorpio and my first house was Sagittarius, second was Capricorn and it just went on and on like that. So maybe, and then 12th ending in Scorpio. It kind of, it kind of does, but like, for example, um, so in my own chart, when you look at the whole sign chart, I'm Capricorn rising. Um, so Aquarius uh, comes into the second house um, and then Pisces in at the third house. But if you, if you look at my Placidus chart, I'm still Capricorn rising, that never changes, but the houses do change. It puts the second house as Pisces and the third house as Pisces. Um, they kind of overlap a little bit there, oh, okay. which I just don't find to be helpful. <laughs> yeah, I think that I feel like the last time I looked into mine that I'm, they were all different. So, but I mean, that could also just be based on when I was born in the Placidus system. I could have just. Yeah, yeah, it's going to change <laughs> from person to person. Um, but specifically for like transit readings as well, um, a transit reading is basically just seeing what a planet is doing now and seeing which house it's falling into in your chart. Um, I find that to be much more accurate when when reading with whole sign. Um, but really the palmistry thing kind of made it for me. I mean, I, I thought that was a total scientific discovery. <laughs> I literally wrote a book about it and I'm kind of uh, trying to find a publisher for it right now um, to kind of show how that connection's there. Um, but yeah, go with the kind of astrology that resonates with you. Um, 
personally, whole sign is just the one that resonates for me. And I think it's a bonus that it's easier um, and it's validated by palmistry. And it's also the oldest system, um, which is cool. It's cool in itself that people have been using this system for thousands of years. Of course, it's interpreted differently. Um, you know, the houses have kind of changed meanings over, you know, the course of millennia because our culture has changed. Um, and so it has to evolve with us. So do you offer uh, birth chart readings as well? Sometimes, yeah. So uh, natal chart readings, I used to do them on video call and I used to say I would kind of contain it to an hour, but it never took an hour. It would always bleed <laughs> into like an hour and a half, two hours. Um, there's so much to go through with, with natal charts, um, which is why I want people to kind of learn a bit on their own, because it's really something that you should be working with for yourself um, over the course of, of your life. Um, when I was doing it kind of earlier this year, I would do it by email um, and I would type it up and I would say to people, you know, this is it's going to take a while. You're on a list <laughs> and I can't I can't just do the email in one go because it's it's kind of like a big horoscope. It's five thousand to six thousand words, I think, was my sort of average there. <laughs> um, so it does. And I do send it with like a sort of introductory lesson to astrology to make the chart more um, legible, you know, so you can digest the information a little better. Um, but I do try to keep it simple for people. But I am limited in, in natal chart readings just because they take so long. Um, you know, very popular for palm readings. And that's, it, it doesn't take as long uh, as a natal chart reading. But especially if I'm doing it online, I'm working for pictures, I'm working through a list. Um, and same with, with card readings as well. I tend to just put people on a list these days <laughs> and, and send them their reading via messages or, or via email because um, there's just too many people to keep up with all over the world in different time zones. Um, beyond that, I'm kind of full-time in person more as like a, a fortune teller, just reading hands and cards um, at a few locations where I am in, in Edinburgh and Scotland. Um, so yeah, I, I do sometimes, <laughs> but it, it depends how long the list is, I guess you could say. Do you have any resources that you recommend other, I mean, when your own book comes out, that will be great, but any other resources that you recommend if people want to try to study this? To study astrology or, or palmistry or? Either one, really. Yeah, I've, I've, never, I've never really been much of a book learner. I mean, that's funny because I've actually got hundreds of books, um, <laughs> but they're they're not all on divination. You know, I've got a kind of range of interest. Um, I suppose the, the best book for palmistry right now is called The Art and Science of Hand Reading um, by Ellen Goldberg and Dorian Bergen, I think her name is, uh, the co-author. But um, that's a really big book. And I think it's been out for a few years now. That's considered number one in the field. Um, but it's massive. I think it's probably the largest book that I own. I mean, it's tall. It's very thick. It's like 600 odd pages and the pages are huge. Okay. Um, but that's very extensive into hand reading. It doesn't really cover, um, you know, how the natal chart manifests in the hand. That's kind of more where I'm going with my book. Um, but it is a great book for learning palmistry. I think people just get overwhelmed by it when they see it. Um, astrology wise, probably like a beginner's book. I think Parker's Astrology is more of a, like a beginner's book, but it has great illustrations and it. it's a beautiful book on the inside. And it does a great job of explaining 
in the beginning, the anatomy of astrology. Um, so, you know, so what's the ecliptic and the kind of cycle of the seasons? And um, I think it even explains the, the constellations and how they're not really lined up with the signs anymore and why not. Um, that's a great kind of starting place to understand what astrology is before you kind of get into reading it. Um, but I think even just online, there's lots of great resources online. Um, you might want to try out something like a, an astrology podcast. Uh, there's one with Chris Brennan that's really good. Tarot, I've never really read too much on. I do have tarot books, but I, I've always just kind of done what I want <laughs> with the cards. <laughs> Same with uh, Lenormand. I actually don't think I even own a Lenormand book because um, I don't think there is many good ones out there. And if they are, if there are, they're probably not in English because Lenormand's very much a European system of, of card reading, um, but I do love it. Yeah, let's let's talk about uh, Lenormand then, because that has come up in a few questions. So I think that has been just growing in popularity as an alternative to tarot, but it is a little bit different. It's not, you know, exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So tarot is always going to be the same. It's a 78 card deck. Um, there are four suits, the, the cups, the swords, the wands and the pentacles or, or coins. There's variation on the name. Um, and there'll be 22 major arcana cards, um, which are the cards, the big sort of famous ones like death or the lovers or the wheel of fortune, you know, those sort of big archetypes. Um, whereas the minors are kind of based off playing cards, but they're actually based off Egyptian playing cards. Um, from I think six or seven centuries ago and then the major arcana was kind of added in in uh, Italy during the the medieval times but Lenormand's super different um, Lenormand is a 36 card deck and it originated from the year 1799 um, wasn't originally called Lenormand though it was called the game of hope back then and it's really based on tea leaf reading symbols. A lot of the, you know, if ever you want to learn tea leaf reading and you're you're not sure what the symbols are in your cup, get a Lenormand deck and just <laughs> see which cards you can kind of see in the cup. Um, but they were, it was originally called the Game of Hope and it was kind of rebranded after a coffee card deck um, that came a couple, cent a couple decades earlier where really just coffee reading symbols made into cards but they were rebranded in the the 1800 to 1800s to Lenormand cards after the death of Marie Lenormand uh, who was the fortune teller to Napoleon uh, and Josephine she was quite a, a famous French fortune teller um, so I think after her death you know every, I'm not even sure if she really used the cards herself um, but it was kind of like a marketing strategy to say you know these were the cards that she used and um, this is who kind of started the tradition. Oh, wow. I did not know any of the things that you just said. So that was a yeah. true. I really, <laughs> I, I really wish to do it. So a lot of people just call her Madame Lenormand, but uh, Marie Lenormand would, would be her name. I wish someone would make a movie about her life or, um, you know, like a TV series or even write a book because I'm not sure there is any. She actually did publish text herself um, in France, you know, a couple of centuries ago on different kind of occult matters. Um, but I don't think anybody's did a movie or a book on her life, despite being associated and kind of recorded with these famous names in history. Um, yeah, it'd be fascinating to, to kind of learn more about her, but she's still kind of shrouded in mystery. Um, and Lenormand cards are pretty much the only, the only time her name comes up. Um, but yeah, fascinating story with her. The Lenormand cards themselves, I think of like a mix. Um, there are some similarities with tarot cards. So in both decks, you've got the sun card, the moon card, 
um, the stars, the tower, uh, but the meanings can be vastly different. The tower in tarot is not the same as tower in Lenormand. Um, and there is astrological associations, I think, with both decks, of course, but a lot with Lenormand. So Lenormand's a 36 card deck. Um, there are 36 um, decans or deacons in a, a, an natal chart. It's just 10 degree segments of the chart. Um, and also the associations with the cards kind of lean over to astrology a little bit. So, for example, the fourth uh, card number four in the Lenormand deck is the home card. Um, and if you're looking at a natal chart, the, the fourth house is associated with home. Um, traditionally, the, the eighth house in a natal chart is associated with death. And the eighth card in the Lenormand deck is the coffin card. So that's a, a big kind of connection as well. Um, so they're really all connected, you know, astrology, tarot, tea leaves are kind of brought into this deck. And the Lenormand cards do usually have playing card uh, kind of inserts in them. Uh, like a little playing card picture in the middle as well. So they all they all connect very extensively, uh, just in different ways and can be read in different ways. Now, if uh, somebody picked up a Lenormand deck, is there any sort of differentiation or room for interpretation between decks? Like with tarot, it's very similar. And any you know guidebook that you yeah. get, of course, there's a little bit of room for interpretation, but they are all very similar and based on all the same imagery is Lenormand that way or is there more room for interpretation between different decks it's you could kind of answer it in both ways I mean between different decks not really um you know I think that there's not a whole lot of like changing what the card actually is um the room for interpretation is I guess you know down to the interpretation of the spread for example card number 18 in Lenormand is the the dog card um, now, the dog can be an actual dog because Lenormand can be very sort of um, realistic and literal in what it means, but the dog can also be symbolic. It could be a friend, uh, it could be, you know, the, the concept of loyalty, um, but it might be an actual dog. The, the difference with tarot is there's so many different interpretations of what the cards actually mean. Uh, the artwork is kind of changed, but the artwork with Lenormand usually stays the same, even though the interpretation can change, if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, okay. So there's there's not as much um, variety in terms of changing the actual image. There's a different kind of style of the image, but a dog is always going to be a dog. You know what I mean? Right. Do you have a particular deck that you love or you think people should just go with whatever calls to them? Definitely go with whatever calls you. I mean, you know, you do get a different styles, like some are brighter than others, some are more. I prefer the traditional deck. So the traditional deck is always going to have like a playing card insert um, somewhere in the middle uh, and sort of like old artwork on it. I use kind of like a, a reproduction deck called the the Destroyed Dondorf, uh, which is like a remake of the, the antique Dondorf decks. Um, but some people prefer to use the more bright and happy, happy kind of looking ones. <laughs> I just really appreciate the sort of gothic and, and worn style of it. Um, yeah, I don't actually have too many Lenormand decks, though. I've, I've only got a few of them because um, I like what I like and I stick with what I've got. Yeah, I can I can understand that. I only have one tarot deck because I like it and it works for me. And even though I love tarot, I don't want to branch out. I just stick with what I like, what I know. I love it when people kind of like focus in on, you know, having one deck. Uh, I don't necessarily, I mean, it's fine if you want to be a collector, but I don't really see the point in having dozens of decks. Um, 
and I don't really want people to get like pigeonholed at the same time I don't I don't want people to just focus on that one deck it's great if you can have that one deck and then have other methods that you can really explore um I think I've probably got about a dozen tarot decks and maybe sort of half a dozen different kinds of fortune telling decks apart from the the Lenormand cards oh wow I mean that's a pretty good collection though yeah, it's, it's a decent collection, but I mean, you, you know, it's usually like one coming into my life every year. <laughs> it's not like I'm, I'm buying <laughs> something true. every week. Um, it's just if something interests me, you know, that particular year, I might take it up or if I spot an antique, I'll, I'll take it. Um, I used to collect a lot more antique decks, but I'd end up selling them on, which is sad and silly. <laughs> <laughs> and you do use them as part of your business as well. Yeah, so there's, there's, uh, I, I pretty much always use the same decks for business. Um, I use, currently I use the Morgan Greer for a tarot deck, um, which is a lovely sort of 70s style and the, the Rider Waite Smith tradition. But I have other tarot decks, like I like to bring the Mythic out uh, in springtime. I like to bring the Thoth deck out near Halloween. Um, there's some decks that I just won't use online or, or for clients. Um, there's one deck that I've had. Uh, that was my auntie's and it was her grandmother's before that and it's not really a tradition um, it's just an old fortune deck they're like playing cards with predictions sort of printed on them and they've got these Egyptian backs um, but they're so old and worn and they're an heirloom so like I'm scared to take them out of the house mm -hmm. and I pretty much only use them on like a, a full moon or something um, so I do have like personal decks I've got professional decks as well some people just like to mix and match but I'm sort of categorized with them that sounds like a really interesting one. What a cool heirloom to have been passed down to you. Yeah, it's odd. Um, I mean, I, I knew nothing about it until maybe like six, seven years ago. Um, and I, I met up with my auntie. She's my great auntie. She's She actually had surgery yesterday for a cataract. <laughs> She's 85 years old. But um, she uh, said to me that my mom had been mentioning that I was into tarot cards and stuff. Uh, and she mentioned that she had a deck. And I was like, what? Um, and she pulls out this sort of weird deck that I've never seen. It's, it's playing cards, but it's got these... Uh, fortunes written on them and the sort of Egyptian backs and they're really old it's kind of like a forgotten tradition there was a few different kinds of them kind of like late 1800s early 1900s um, printed printed in Britain and you can still find you know really good copies of them online that have not really been touched um, but because mine has like decades of use it's all kind of worn out um, it doesn't feel like uh, plastic anymore it feels more like a, a worn out paper um, but they are gorgeous and they're yeah they're they're super accurate as well they're just a bit old-timey <laughs> and not as much room for interpretation when the predictions written there oh yeah I bet that's true <laughs> but still must have amazing amazing energy yeah they're they've, they've definitely uh got a, a vibe about them uh but whether it's good or bad depends <laughs> depends <laughs> <on you. laughs> some of them are are pretty brutal because I think life was you know I mean, life life's hard for everybody, but it was a lot harder in some aspects, um, you know, a hundred years ago. So it, it definitely kind of mirrors the sort of life experiences that you would see back then. Um, yeah, I think the the good thing with Lenormand and the good thing with Tarot is it is open to cultural interpretation. You know, it's kind of timeless. Um, they're made up of artwork and artwork is always meant to be interpreted, um, you know, down to the individual and the time and place that they're living. Yeah, I think it's so interesting how two 
cultures would view the exact same card just based on what we believe about different colors and different animals. It's completely oh, yeah. the other side of the world. Yeah. So it's always interesting to see what happens. That's the big thing with um, Lenormand as well. Um, I mean, you'll find like a great kind of variation um, in the, the symbolism. Take, for example, one of my favorite cards is the fox. Um, a lot of people, a lot of Lenormand readers would read the fox as a sort of deceptive person, um, you know, or even just the kind of um, the, the energy of being cunning. Um, personally, I read it as a career, a career card. Um, I see it as kind of like right at the center of the spread. Um, and it really just depends on the reader, how you kind of interpret that. Same with the coffin card. The coffin's a bit dramatic. <laughs> a lot of people would say it's a real coffin, you know, it's a death, but symbolically that can be the end of something. Um, but it really depends where you come from, where you're going to take the, the interpretation of it. Yeah, lots of ways to go with that. That's really interesting. I have never read or really looked into that much uh Lenormand decks at all and now I'm I'm really curious after all of this and after all of this um information because it is you know an area that I enjoy but I know the very basics basics of astrology so I would I think I would have a lot more studying to do to loop everything together as to well as you but to learn Lenormand you don't have to know astrology I do think there's connections there but um Lenormand's I honestly think it's much easier if you you get open to reading things in a literal sense, but also a symbolic sense. So, for example, card number 13 is the child card. Um, that's pretty much always going to be your client's child um, or someone else's child. You know, it's the concept of, of an actual child. Um, very rarely would it be like a new experience or a childlike attitude. It's usually going to be like an actual child in someone's life. Um, so they are a little bit more focused, I would say. There's not as much wiggle room as, as tarot. And same with the ways you read it. There's only really three or four Lenormand spreads that are kind of recognized traditionally. Um, whereas tarot, there's hundreds and thousands, you know, and people kind of make them up as they as they go along. Um, I think it's a little bit more contained with Lenormand and it's it's got a little bit more of like a, a structure of this is what we do and this is how we do it. Um, even if it varies a little bit, there isn't as much to learn, not just because there's, there's not as many cards, um, but also because the cards are a little bit more, I guess, li not limited in meaning, but a little bit more direct in their meaning. Oh, that's interesting. So it might even be an easier place to start if tarot is a little overwhelming for people. Oh, yeah. And I think it's easier to remember um, just because of the, the symbols. Um, I mean, just talking about that child card there, there's, there's kind of two cards that would really symbolize children. Uh, there's the child card and there's also the stork. Um, but the stork would be more of a pregnancy and pretty much I think everyone, you know, has that kind of folklore around storks, you know, they bring babies and that's what you tell kids, um, that sort of stuff. So it is easier to, to learn in some aspects uh, than tarot, which is really symbolic, um, not as not as directive. Oh, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. I'm gonna have to look more into that. Not that I uh, need an excuse to buy more decks or anything, but you know. I'll always take it. Well, if you've only got the the, the one sort of tarot deck, then you, you know it doesn't hurt getting a Lenormand. Because I have they room are... to grow. Yeah, I have a few <laughs> Oracle decks. Oracle decks are my thing, just because I like the different imagery and the you know pretty drawings. I have like the Halloween Oracle deck, and I just like going all over the place with those. So I have, I have a bit of a collection going there. Um, 
but still, I don't think it's it's that overwhelming. I have some some space to grow. So maybe I should look more into this Lenormand. I think it sounds very interesting. I have never been able to master tea leaf reading. I think that is fascinating, oh, yeah. but I, I can't do it at all. So you definitely can. It just it takes, you know, figuring out like how it works for you. And that's why I say it's great getting a Lenormand deck because the symbols really show up in the cup. Um I guess you could just kind of like do your teacup and then get out the, the Lenormand deck and really see what you can kind of, does that look like a love heart? Does that look like a tree? Does that look like a fish? You know, the, the cards kind of give you ideas for that. Um, and the skill will be transferable. Um, the symbolism, it's really learning how to read symbolism as the language there. And I suppose you can do that in tarot, um, but tarot is more occult symbolism, you know? It's more symbolism based on the elements or astrology or sort of psychological archetypes, whereas Lenormand symbolism is more everyday. Um, so the clover, um, the star, the tree, the letter, the book, these are all things that are kind of like in our, our day-to-day life. And once you learn them in one system, whether it be Lenormand or, you know, you, you can transfer it to tea leaf reading, you can transfer it to um, dream reading, you know, kind of interpreting the, the everyday symbols in your dream. Um, Sometimes when I'm when I'm bored and I'm kind of on a bus or a train or something, I play the Lenormand game, uh, which is basically just seeing how many cards you can see in real life. Um, you know, so I just passed the house. There's card number four. I just saw a dog. There's card number 18. I just saw a mountain. There's card number 21. Um, because they really do make up our everyday life, which I think is where it's a little bit easier to, to recognize um, than the tarot. Oh, that's really that's a fun game. Yeah, for kids in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Teach them. Oh, that's fun. I like that. I think it's great to to start when kids are early. You know, if you if you teach them the language of symbology at a young age, um, they will be able to to grow up reading. And kids can read as well. They can they can really do it um, if you put it in front of them because it's about being creative with it. Um, People often forget that their imagination really is, you know, a link to their psychology, but also their kind of psychic sense. Yeah, I often find that kids are even better at it. They're not as limited when we're adults. We just get into our patterns and our ways and sort of shut off that more creative side. So I feel like kids are even better. They don't worry about it. I think I think something that a lot of readers, whether they're learning palmistry or tarot, card reading, astrology, whatever, they're worried when someone's in front of them that they're going to get it wrong. Um, you know, or they're worried, they, they kind of overthink it a little bit, but kids just tend to say it like it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's often, often the best way to do it. The first thing that pops up into mind is uh, how you get your intuition flowing. And I think adults are a little more concerned and conservative when it could be interpreted as negative when they see something (laughs) that could be sort of you know scary coming up um that they want to do everything that we can to avoid it because we know what that means whereas kids will just be like oh it's this bad thing but they don't you know really understand (laughs) like the final outcome of that and adults are like no i'm not going to read that negative reading in there i don't see it it doesn't exist yeah yeah there's positive and negative there i mean with the with kids you know they're they're gonna tell it like it is so there's not really a filter there's no finesse (laughs) so if it is a bad thing you know, if they pulled like the the coffin card and the mice card, and they kind of knew that those were more traditional negative ones, they might just say like, "Oh, you're going to die." <laughs> we of course wouldn't we wouldn't say that. I mean, that that kind of thing rarely comes up in readings. Um, 
but that's that's where it kind of differs and where you need a little bit of time to learn how to speak to people as well as um, you know interpret what's in front of you how do you communicate that how do you connect even if it is negative or, or if it's positive it doesn't really matter um, it's the way that you kind of use it and and tell someone right does that come off often for you do you get something that's like kind of negative and then have to think about how to phrase that to a client Sometimes, yeah. I mean, it's never usually death. Um, you know, I use that as an example because I think it's just something uh, that would sound really dramatic coming out of a child's mouth. <laughs> but um, especially when it comes to love life, um, you know, doing readings for years, definitely love life is the number one uh, requested topic when it comes to readings. And it's because, you know, we're a communal species. We really crave connection and, and company and love more than anything else. Um, but we're also really bad at it, or a lot of people are really bad at it. The culture um, isn't really a culture of understanding our own needs and other people's needs and recognizing what's good for us. We just kind of get into whatever we're offered. Um, so there is a lot of, you know, relationship talk, whether it be bad or good. Sometimes it's things coming to an end. Uh, sometimes it's things beginning and, and kind of going the long way. Um, but it's, it's really varied. Yeah, that's true. And I, I think love, especially people get stuck in their ways and get ideas into their head that they're not willing to let go of, even though it's something that's probably terrible for them. Yeah, it, it's down to the individual. I mean, some people you, you just kind of can't communicate with at times. Um, there have been times where I've given given readings to someone, um, you know, and I've said, I don't, I don't think it's the right relationship for you. I, I don't really see it lasting forever. Um, and then that will happen and they'll kind of come back to me and say, well, how do I get it back? Because, you know, you implied that I'm in charge of my own future. So how do I get them back? And I'm like, why would you want them back? Why would you want something that isn't, isn't right for you? Some people are, are selective with their with their hearing. Um, but a lot of the time people just come to you because they want to know that it's possible uh, to find their happiness elsewhere or, or to find someone different and to get details about that as well. Um, you know, when and where and who might it be and what do I look out for and what's it going to be like? Um, those are the things that we, we try to answer in readings. I'm, yeah, that's so interesting. I bet you get a lot. <laughs> but that's going to be fun, though, to just read so many people and and see so many different life experiences apart from your own I and mean, that must be such an interesting practice it is super interesting is a good word i i would say fun you know it's um it's fun sometimes other times it's grueling work um you know as a fortune teller you're kind of forced into wearing i always like to use this same example it's like wearing five different hats in the same day so someone might treat you like an entertainer they want the reading to be fun they're coming to you for some you know kind of uplifting experience and entertainment the next person might have more spiritual concerns they're treating you like they would a priest or a sort of mystic person um, then there's someone coming to you for financial advice you're a financial advisor you're a relationship expert you're a grief counselor you know there there can be different things throughout the day um and and sometimes different things you know throughout one session you might start off pretty heavy and you know really not having to hold space for someone through a difficult time and then finishing on a, a sort of lighter or upbeat note um so it's grueling work it really really is um but it is probably the the job where you would get the most uh variety of people coming to see you and the most variety in terms of discussion um, you know, and seeing what's kind of happening in people's lives. How do you take care of yourself and replenish your own energy? 
So I'm going to talk about astrology again. <laughs> I think it, uh, so for me, astrology and palmistry have been a real kind of good way to the cards as well. You can ask for advice or prediction there. But I find astrology and palmistry is really like the, the DNA of who you are in terms of your energy, your strengths, your weaknesses. Um, so I work with the elements. I'm a big Pisces. I've got a lot, a lot of Pisces in my chart. Um, I do a lot of sort of... Um, water cleansing I guess you could say so at the end of a hard day it's like a, a sea salt bath um you know staying really hydrated I always have a lot of people burn sage in their space um but I don't burn anything because I don't want to inhale smoke I don't think it's good for you so I carry around little uh sprays it can be like a, an aromatherapy spray that I've made myself with water and oil or a crystal water spray I drink a lot of crystal waters um I do wear crystals as well but um yeah, for me, it's just a sort of um, a cleansing ritual, and it's usually based around water. Um, the big go-to thing is is white sage for people, but I actually really don't recommend it. Um, you know, white sage, I think, has been made so popular in recent years, but it's it's meant to be for heavy-duty stuff. Um, you know, it can, it can even trigger tonic-clonic seizures because it's just a really powerful compound, the, the chemicals that are in the, the smoke of sage. Um, and it's said to get rid of bad spirits because the smoke itself is so stressful <laughs> to the spirits that they just leave. Um, so why people think that's good for them and they're kind of sitting, burning it while they're relaxing, you know, I really don't recommend that. Try and choose something that's easier on your lungs, you know, that, that maybe yeah. isn't smoke, um, but that also isn't particularly that kind of smoke because it's it's not meant to be a relaxing thing. You know, it's meant to, to stress out energy so that it completely clears a place of any kind of energy, good or bad. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I do, I do not like the smell of sage at all. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I completely understand. I, it's nice in cooking. It's nice oh yeah, that's cooking, true. Like, burning it is is quite a pungent um, smell, um, and I think people use it as like a go-to for all things. It really shouldn't be. It's it's a sort of um, last resort, I would say, with that one. And of course, it comes from like a big Native American tradition, I think. Um, but yeah, it's been very sort of westernized and overused, and. Um, yeah, I, I don't particularly recommend that. I think water, uh, salt, you know, these are things that are easier and just more at our fingertips. Yeah, I agree. And I, I love that tip about the elements and which element that you connect with as well, because I am heavy water sign as well. So I completely understand that one. Yeah, you don't even have to like make a big ritual about things, you know, just a simple, a simple salt bath or walking by a river even the kind of sound cleansing from that you know a lot of people do like tibetan singing bowls and they want to they want to use a crystal singing bowl but you can literally just go outside and listen to nature um walk in the woods and, and walk by the trees it'll ground you listen to the water it'll kind of cleanse you um it really is that simple yeah i agree so before we <laughs> wrap up um since i have kept you for 45 minutes now. <laughs> Is there anything else that you would like to share? And also, will you remind listeners where they can find you online? 
short. So you can find me online, uh, just Instagram and Facebook. Those are those are my two big markets. Um, if you just type in Fortune by Calum, so Calum's K-A-L-E-M, Fortune by Calum, uh, on Instagram or uh, Facebook, that's the best kind of way to go. In terms of something to leave people with, um, I don't know, I guess just, you know, try and try and take things one at a time. You know, if you're learning tarot, that's fine. You don't have to learn five other systems of divination. Um, I do think it's great to kind of give give importance to the one thing that's true to you. Um, but at the same time, don't don't pigeonhole yourself and try to see where things link up for you, um, where systems can kind of lead into each other and become homogenous, because then you don't just become a tarot reader or an astrologer. Um, you know, you become a diviner, you become a fortune teller with a kind of range of skills. Um, and I think that's how you have to grow. Um, there are so many tarot readers in the world right now. And I, although I think tarot is amazing, I think there's it, it's given a little bit too much um, and people get stuck on it where it becomes the one thing that they use um, when really there's other systems out there that are just as good, if not better, I would say, um, at certain things in certain situations. And it means you'll, you'll grow as a person if you're trying out these, these different ways of practice. That is great advice. Don't, don't pigeonhole yourself if you don't need to or feel called to. There's so many great options out there. Yeah, tarot and oracle are, are really the big ones and oracle is so individual. Um, I, I've never really used oracle. I think I've got one oracle deck, but I tend to find that that, that goes more into the kind of um, advice-based uh, energy reading, you know, almost like a holistic reading. Um, I'm always going to look for the ones that are a little bit more like, here's a prediction for your future. And that does come from the traditions of tarot, uh, but also Lenormand, also tea leaf reading, also palmistry, astrology a little bit, depending on what kind of reading you're, you're doing there. Um, I would say astrology is the most accurate, actually. Um, but it's, it's, again, a little bit misunderstood in terms of what it is. I agree. And, and astrology, um, so many different ways to go with it, depending on what tradition, you know, works best for you. Uh, but yeah, it can, there can be a lot once you really start driving into astrology, there's so much to learn there. I'm still, yeah, it, still does. it takes it. longer. It takes longer to, to learn. It takes longer to do the readings, which is, although I think it's the most accurate, I, it's also kind of like my last option. Um, palmistry or palm readings, kind of like a mini astrology reading. And I just find that to be, um, you know, super direct and accurate and same with, with Lenormand and, and Tarot. They're just quicker ways of making predictions, um, but great ones. Well, thank you so much for being here again and answering all of those follow-up questions that everyone had. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. I should say before we finish, um, I'm no longer taking online appointments. <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm not doing online readings, but you know, with a kind of clientele throughout the world on different time zones and, and working here full time in person, I literally have a list for different kinds of readings. So I've got a palmistry list, I've got a card reading list. Um, and, you know, people just kind of get a spot on that list now. And I try to give people a kind of indication of, hey, it'll be a week or it'll be two weeks, it'll be three weeks before I kind of get this to you. Um, but that's, that's all I can really offer right now. <laughs> yeah, which is fair, because things have started opening up for you again in person, which just makes more sense for your yeah. time zone than trying to yeah. connect with somebody halfway around the world and make it work on their time. Just we'll understand that. <laughs> yeah, I, I do prefer connecting with people in person. Um, and I've got several locations, which I'm at weekly and monthly uh, here in Edinburgh. And, you know, it's busy. Like I, I was working there on Sunday. I had 18 clients, <laughs> 
18 wow. now. Oh no, it's 17 actually. Someone didn't come, but 17 clients in one evening. So it's a lot to do in person to add online on top. You know, I have to be a little bit um easier on myself with that one. <laughs> <laughs> True. But you also uh share just great information over on your Instagram and stuff too. So if people are just looking for for general information and tips, I will have all of the links so you can follow um over on Instagram and stuff. Always great information being shared. Uh, and we do have listeners that to, are in your area. I, so I love to answer the questions people have. We we had a I got a lot of questions last time about not just palmistry, but um again also whole sign astrology. People were messaging and just saying uh que asking questions about that. And I'm always happy to answer, uh, even if I'm not able to get in touch right away. I will. Yeah, so absolutely reach out. I will have everything linked to make it easier. Uh, but that is everything that I have this week. Thank you again for being here. Uh, I will have everything linked if you have any follow-up questions for either of us, but that is everything for this week. I will see you next week. Your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Need even more? Subscribe to Patreon and YouTube for exclusive bonus content. Order a themed witchcraft box every month through Witch Wednesdays on Etsy. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. Find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com.